There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. As inevitably happens, whenever people travel, you end up sick. I don't care what they say about the great HEPA filters and the airplanes and everything else. That first, and my son-in-law, the doctor, explained it to me. The first, like, 20 minutes before takeoff, that air is just circulating in the plane. And so anybody who's coughed or sneezed probably has, you know, put some of that uh, into the atmosphere. So my husband went home. He was sick. And now I'm going home. I got an overnight flight tonight, and I had a miserable night. But you know what? I'm just glad that I'm not one of the people here in California who ended up in the hospital in the last 24 hours because they have a combination, COVID and flu. Lord have mercy. I mean, you know, that didn't happen. I don't have any, uh, whatever little virus I have, it's not one of those. It's just truly inconvenient. And you never sleep right when you're away from home. Even if you have like great accommodations, which I have had, you know, I'm in a home, I got a good bed, and uh, I can get tea with honey and lemon anytime I want it. So it's really not an inconvenient place to be, but it's just not the same. You just want to be home. My poor grandson, every time I would cough last night, he would come rushing in and go, are you okay? Which just uh, endears him ever the more to me. And uh, I am okay, and I will be okay, but it's crazy. There's a lot of just stuff going around. Everywhere I turn, I see people who are coughing and, and, and look miserable. Their eyes are runny. But uh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get back home, and tomorrow I'll be broadcasting from sunny Florida. And just being home will make a huge difference in, in how I feel. I know that, so that's a good thing. Of course, you all uh, say a few prayers for me that I don't have any of these, you know, horrific things that so many people end up with during travels. So this is really another wrinkle in what's turning out to be like one of the most hectic respiratory virus seasons I can ever remember. I mean, obviously, this is not like it was in the early stages of the pandemic when the hospitals were so crowded and we were counting every bed and we were anticipating that the hospitals were going to be overflowing and we were going to have all these catastrophes. We were, you know, parking, uh, what, what did they put in the, um, in New York? They had to park like a barge in there to, just to make sure and, and set up a floating hospital. So I'm just grateful that I'm not in that position. It's not that bad, but it is a, kind of a, a, a respiratory virus season. And LA County, which I left a few days ago, 
recently entered the medium COVID-19 hospitalization category. I didn't even know there were still such things. Really, the CDC still has these um, stages and levels, and they pay very careful attention to this stuff. And I'm just getting the feeling more and more. It's like the flu. People are going to test positive for the flu. Before I left Florida, I had like five friends all test positive for a flu. And look, obviously, if you have one of those and you have had a positive test, you shouldn't get on a plane, you know. So I'm taking all precautions and I'm going to do something that I absolutely don't do willingly or uh, politely ever. But I will, I will wear a mask, not for my sake. I'm, I'm just going to wear it because I don't want people to be uncomfortable around me. And especially on an overnight flight, people are trying to get some sleep. Although in the old days, I used to be able to fall right out on one of these uh, red eyes. And now it's more like, oh, can I grab an hour or two? That would be a, a break. So we'll see. The infectious disease specialist at Kaiser Permanente in Southern California said this is a viral cocktail. And you could end up having a coronavirus and the flu, and this RSV, the respiratory synctial virus, all at the same time. And, and sometimes throw in a little, uh, you know, common cold virus, a rhinovirus, throw that into the mix. So I'm not anticipating a restful trip back home because I doubt I'm the only person who's going to be uh, feeling it now that I know there's like a, a, a genuine outbreak in California. And it's not just the very young and the very old who are getting hit with this sort of double whammy. You've seen a lot of young and middle-aged adults have been affected. I don't fall, I don't fall into those categories anymore. I'm not young and I'm not middle-aged. I'm one of them senior citizens who doesn't belong to AARP. Um, so we'll see. It's, it's the cough. I don't know about, and, and doing a radio show anticipating that you might end up coughing a little is nightmare. It's a nightmare. But thank goodness um, I have been able to pull it off for the last day and hopefully I'll finish out today. And if all will be well, as they say, it's just that miserable feeling. If you've ever traveled in any form, even if you're going by car up to poor St. Lucie and you've got like a cold or a virus or a flu, it's miserable. The only place you want to be is home, you know, with a, a, a pot of tea on and pillows stacked up so that you don't end up lying flat. That's the big secret. Well, good thing in an airplane, I won't be lying flat. But that's not the biggest problem confronting me or any other American today. The biggest problem, and I talk about this quite frequently, even though I have been told repeatedly people don't want to hear it. It's not a uh, subject that people want to be tormented with. I have to do it. It's my job. The national debt is now standing at $34 trillion. Yeah, you heard me right. $34 trillion plus. And that is not good news. It's not good news for consumers. It's not good news for business owners or small business owners. It's just bad news. Um, because of what it measures is what we, the country, the United States, owes our creditors. 
And when you owe $34 trillion, and that was the figure that they came up with last Friday afternoon, uh, and then they just released the data today, the Treasury Department, um, four decades ago, so we're talking just 40 years ago, the national debt was kind of consistent. It hovered around $907 billion. You know, I want you to hear what I said, $907 billion, and we have now hit $34 trillion, and it's growing at this ex exponentially quick and severe rate. So here it is, it's a new year, but our national debt is on the same damaging and totally unsustainable path that it's been on for a while. You know, I read uh, guys like Michael Peterson who has a, a fiscal sustainability uh, blog. I read uh, Bloomberg, I read CNBC. I, I read everything that I can to try and at least have some working knowledge of what's actually going on. But this is a historic debt level. And right now we've got Congress in a race with itself to finalize some of these critical funding bills that we're gonna to need to get passed in order to prevent the government from shutting down. Now, everybody knows how I feel about government shutdowns. They don't scare me. The less time the government is actually operating, generally the better off I feel. Uh, they think now, all these uh, statisticians at the Congressional Budget Office and at these various sites that I just talked about from Bloomberg on and on, Fox Business, they're all saying that they expect the national debt to double in size over the next 30 years, the next three decades. And at the end of 2022, the national debt actually grew to about 97% of gross domestic product. That's crazy land. You know, under that, under the law that exists right now, you can expect this number to skyrocket to about 181% at the end of 2053, which is a debt burden that we're leaving to our children and grandchildren and great grandchildren, which I don't know how they, you know, how they escape the implosion that would be uh, coming their way. The level of debt is dangerous. It's dangerous for our economy, no doubt, but it's also dangerous for national security. We have got to stop borrowing money. We've got to stop being indebted to countries that mean us harm. Of course, the White House is blaming the Republicans in the House. Um, you know, this is, uh, they, what did uh, Michael Kikukua, I saw him on uh, a, a feed that I was looking at early this morning. He's a White House uh, press secretary. I guess he's one of the assistant press secretaries. I'm not real familiar with him. But now that I've been watching more online since I've been out of town, it's kind of crazy how um, he is taking you know front and center when it comes to matters of the economy because Karine Jean-Pierre has uh, blown a number of recent press conferences. She basically blows them all. But when it comes to the you know the debt and subjects that really don't interest her at all, you know if it's not race related, she's not interested. So she uh, doesn't do a very good job at making the case 
for the president. She doesn't even like the term Bidenomics or any of that stuff. Uh, so this guy, Michael Kikukawa, was pretty cool the way he presented it. And, I, you know, for me to give credit to anybody in this administration means they got to be pretty good at what they do. He said, this is trickle-down debt, and it is driven overwhelmingly by repeated Republican giveaways skewed to big corporations and the wealthy. Typical kind of comment that you would have heard during the Clinton years, you would have heard it during the uh, Obama years, but you hadn't really heard it during these Biden years because, of course, they were hopeful and on a micro level, the economy was doing better. It's just the macro level that messes them up. And of course, the spike of interest rates over the last year and a half, well, that makes servicing a national debt even more expensive. And that is because as the interest rates rise, the federal government's borrowing costs on its debt also increase. In fact, interest payments on the national debt are now projected to be the fastest growing part of the federal budget over these next uh, 30 years. And that's according to the best statisticians in government. It's not conservative outlets. That's what they are saying up there in Washington. Most of the people working in those agencies and in these think tanks, they're all partisans. So you're not always going to get um, a complete accurate representation. But when you see some representations as bad as what I'm seeing, and I'm sure you're seeing right now, coming out of the left-wing media's mouths, whoa, it's kind of scary. So the payments are going to be triple from, I think we paid $475 billion in payments, loan payments, in 2022. And now they're saying we're looking at $1.5 trillion, or close to $1.5 trillion, $1.4 trillion in 2032. And by 2053, they think the interest payments alone are going to be at $5.4 trillion. So let me put that into perspective for you, because I've been looking at this for the last 24 hours. So I got, I've got my sea legs or whatever you call it. I've wrapped my mind around these numbers and what they mean. But if I wanted to put it into you know, the simplest terms that I know everybody can understand, uh, I will tell you this, there, we're going to be spending more on the debt, payments on the debt, than we spend on Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and every single other mandatory and discretionary spending program. That's astronomical. These numbers are not only unsustainable, they're unnecessary. This is a bottomless pit that we got ourselves into. And I blame both parties. I blame every single member of Congress who refuses to do the unpopular thing, which is to stall the spending and maybe uh, really loosen up some of these regulations that are crippling some of the major drivers of this, of this incredible uh, American economy that's at a standstill. But that's not all that's happening. And you guys know that. So when I come back from this break, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this blast that took place in Iran. Because the so-called proxy war between America and Iran, 
It's happening. And whether or not the media wants to talk about it and frame it in those terms, it's happening. And we have got to be prepared. And when we've got these kinds of ridiculous debt numbers, in addition to everything else that's wrong, you, uh, I would say fasten your seatbelts, but it's too late for that. The car is in a spin on an icy highway. And really the best we can hope for is that we don't completely wipe out. Don't forget that uh, you can download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can participate in all the contests and get all the updates, business updates as well. You know, you can find out what's happening in the market. That's where I get my first feed every single morning is from the 850WFTL.com website. You can do the same. And actually I have the app on my phone, so it comes right there. Let me take a quick break. You stay right where you are and I will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So there's all this sort of uh, scary, crazy kind of news that's related to what's going on in Israel and in the Middle East, but is happening here in America. And of course, uh, I read a story earlier this morning about a an imam who was, I guess, coming out of the mosque in Newark, New Jersey, yesterday, early, or or might have been even today. I read the story probably around 10 o'clock this morning. It may very well have been this morning. And Hassan Sharif, who's the imam, was preparing to go go into, do his his round, I guess, uh, the first of his daily prayers. And apparently a gunman approached him and opened fire outside of the mosque around 6.15. Yeah, it is. It was this morning near the intersection of Camden Street and South Orange Avenue. Um, that's the what the news so far has been told. I'm looking at the New York Post right now. He was shot twice. He's listed in critical condition and is undergoing surgery. He seems like a young man. I'm looking at a picture of him wearing a, like a gap t-shirt so he's not a you know sometimes we think of imams and rabbis and and pastors as as old men this looks to be a rather you know early middle-aged guy it looks to be a small mosque in uh, New Jersey a very unassuming building as a matter of fact I don't see any dome which I had assumed there always you know was a dome on their houses of worship but a motive is unclear uh, there were students inside a, a school that was adjacent to it, the Clara Muhammad School, and uh, they're not giving out too much information, I'm sure, because they're trying to figure out exactly what happened. Um, he is a very active in the community, and he's among a group of interfaith leaders who uh, last year was attending a climate change protest. And, uh, you know, I still wrestle with these men and women of faith who get very involved in activism. Not that I don't believe everybody has a right, I do. I think anybody, no matter what you do for a living, 
you have a right to your political opinions. And as long as you stay within the boundaries of legal behavior, I think you should be heard. And so if he wants to go to a climate change protest, uh, so be it. But it's that whole intersectionality uh, kind of nonsense that disturbs me because what exactly does climate change have to do with the most pressing problems, for instance, in the Muslim world or in the uh, Israeli Hamas fight or, or anywhere for that matter. And I'm not trying to be glib about this because I know Greta Thunberg will have a heart attack if she hears my show. But the, the reality is with the kinds of things that we are now confronting, whether it's massive amounts of interest payments on debt here in this country, or whether it's ridiculous levels of crime in inner cities, uh, absolutely absurd numbers of homeless people living in the richest states. California has the fifth largest economy in the world. Okay, not in the country, but in the world. It, it is larger than almost every other country. And yet the homeless situation here is ridiculous. And I just, for the life of me, don't understand why it's tolerated by this population because they they suffer with it. It doesn't matter. You could be rich in California. You still got to, you know, watch your uh, front yard turned into a bathhouse, basically, or a toilet in beautiful neighborhoods. And, and, and you don't even want to know what's going on in less than beautiful neighborhoods where... Uh, let's face it, police presence is less and uh, citizens have less of a voice or a, a don't just don't spend as much time. They don't have time for activism. They don't have time to join Greta Van Thunberg at the United Nations and, you know, pound on a desk and talking about, oh, you know, what you're leaving behind. You know, they're trying to figure out how they're going to keep their families from becoming homeless. I can't even begin to tell you how many people I see living in trailers and RVs along the side of the road. I've never seen, it's always been growing, especially uh, in San Francisco where I am right now. But this last trip to Los Angeles, the numbers have increased dramatically there as well of people. And I'm not just talking about your traditionally homeless population, which we know is often a mixture of people who can't get uh, social services, people who have mental health issues, people who are uh, veterans, you know, we, we, we understand the population, but now we're talking about a large number of families living in whatever they can manage to put together to keep their families together. You know, an RV is actually a step up for people who may have had to live in shelters where uh, they're se segregated from one gender in their family. So I, I just don't get it. How could that be acceptable to the people who live here and pay these incredibly high rates for everything, taxes, and uh, you, you, you can't throw out much garbage here. Now, I understand that the uh, intersectionalists, or whatever you call them, who are so concerned about the environment think we make too much trash. Okay, um, we do. We make too much trash. We have way too much uh, garbage everywhere, not just in, in 
California, but how is it helpful to impose standards that nobody can adhere to anyway? So they go around and they try to figure out ways they could mask how much garbage they're producing. I've never seen anything like it. How much water they're consuming. So you turn everybody into a potential criminal. And I'm not talking about extravagant people because, for instance, my kids are all, you know, very, let's save the world, save the environment, save the universe. Or, you know, they're very much of that mindset. But there's only so much you can do. I mean, if any family in America who doesn't have a box showing up at their doorstep from Amazon each week is a miracle in my book. Because I look around doorsteps and even in senior citizens communities in Florida, there's multiple boxes piled up. And forget about people with families. They're working jobs, they're trying to manage their expenses, and they're ordering stuff online. And so what do you do with all the boxes? You know, I don't care how many blue garbage cans you have, the recycled garbage cans. At some point, they get filled and people start gaming. You know, they're dragging their boxes and dumping them places. I can't, I guess a homeless can use them to live on, but uh, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, wh what is this imam doing at a climate change protest? Is that really the biggest issue confronting his community? I happen to know a little bit about Newark and Camden. And I'm betting they have a significant amount of trouble with criminals in those areas. And yet, are they really worried about Greta Van Thunberg's subjects, you know, uh, global warming? Or is it global cooling this week? I, I, I forgot which direction we had gone in. So that's, uh, look, this imam got shot. That's a violent crime. That would seem to be the biggest problem problem confronting his community and at this moment his family much bigger than climate change but hey i'm just one lone voice right anyway don't forget we got a lot more coming your way today stay right where you are and i will be right back so not only in my crazy hometown of new york do you have those uh, coney island polar bear clubs jumping into the water which is just nuts in my opinion but you have all this crime that no matter how you slice it, whether it's an imam being shot in front of his uh, mosque on a Wednesday morning as he heads into prayers, or it's this woman who gets punched in the face in a Manhattan subway station on Sunday. And when the woman just looked at the guy who punched her, some big brute, you know, why'd you hit me? He said, because you're Jewish. He just walked up and clobbered this 29-year-old woman inside the 42nd Street and Lexington Avenue subway station. Where the, I know that. That's where the 7 train is. This was about 11.30 Saturday night, so it was a very early Sunday morning in reality to me. The shock victim asked her attacker why he randomly slugged her when she did nothing to provoke him. And he said, you are Jewish, and ran off. Uh, she only had minor injuries, but what is going on? You know, the level of, of hatred, and, and it really does. It was an interesting article uh, by Martin Gurry 
former CIA guy on Free Press today about, you know, the level of discussion, political discussion that's going on in this country, he points out, is so degraded at this point that it's going to be very difficult to resurrect anything that looks like a, a country from here, that, that the, and this is a guy who doesn't like Donald Trump, uh, can make a great case for why you would never want to see him back in the White House. But he says, this is not up for discussion in this country anymore. That because you disagree doesn't give you a right to demonize not only the person you disagree with, but all the person's supporters. You know, we keep seeing this level of going after MAGA supporters it just gets worse and worse and worse. And, and it's not working. I mean, it is what their intention is to get people who support him to stop supporting him? Because the opposite has happened. You know, now everybody's coalescing behind him as the Republican candidate. Tom Cotton came out today. Steve Scalise came out yesterday. Uh, not that you wouldn't expect Republican leadership to be taking positions, but for real, uh, even celebrities are coming out all over the place. And you don't have to like anybody. You don't have to like Joe Biden. You don't have to like uh, Kamala Harris. You don't have to like Donald Trump or anybody. But you have to believe that in this country, there are going to be factions who support those people. And you can't, you know, call them names and, and marginalize their efforts to have this country go in the direction they want it to go in. I was thinking, I, I saw a um, email yesterday, or it may have been this morning, um, talking about some kind of faith event that's gonna be taking place in Iowa, because things are heating up, you know, in these early uh, caucus and primary states, no doubt about it, we're down to the, you know, the, the important moments. And, I'm looking at the, they're inviting everybody to come and hear Ben Carson speak. He's supporting Donald Trump, you know, and this is after I'm reading an article about these three uh, women, Alice Farrah Griffith and uh, I don't know, th three Trump um, insiders. They were members of the uh, Trump administration who are coming out and saying, no, 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 you, you can't have him. No, absolutely not. And uh, Bill Barr came out, you know, another person who, I, you know, listen, Bill, your credibility is negligible. Uh, you were there through almost the entire presidency and you didn't raise any alarm. You, you stood by him for the most part. And actually, uh, anytime somebody wants to question the results of an election, we let them. We let Hillary Clinton do it. We let Al Gore do it. We let Donald Trump. We're supposed to let them. And for anybody like these three women who were members of the Trump administration to suddenly be standing up and saying, oh, no, but we have to save democracy. Well, you don't save this republic, which is not a democracy, I don't know how many times I have to tell people that, but you don't save this republic by saying, therefore, you have to agree with us. And if you don't, we're going to call you terrible names and accuse you of everything. We're going to call your candidate Hitler and uh, all these uh, really just over the top. 
And then you say, well, why are people on the street behaving this way? You know, punching somebody in the face because they're Jewish or uh, shooting an imam. I'm probably, I don't know yet, but I'm guessing it was probably a hate crime. You know, why so much hatred? Well, because it starts with the way we've allowed the media to turn our coverage of politics into a hate fest. You know, whoever can say the worst thing gets the biggest number of clicks. We can't tolerate this anymore. That was so interesting about what Guri said, is he doesn't care what you think about Donald Trump. He cares that this country has a, a possibility of surviving all of this hatred that we're spewing towards one another. Especially when I think about it, the people who use terms like, oh, he's Hitler, oh, the democracy will die, and all, all this kind of stuff. You know, I thought they were the supposed to be the rational and hopeful and optimistic people in this country. Not anymore. I don't know who you could uh, give that label to, probably nobody. I mean, you got late night hosts fighting with, uh, you know, quarterbacks. I, why? What is that all about? I, I don't watch Jimmy Kimmel and I don't know anything about Aaron Rodgers, but it's big headline news story. And all I keep thinking is what? How did that happen? What starts a, a feud like that? And why is the media, every single website I went to in the last, I'd say 72 hours, had a story about Kimmel and Rogers at first, I did not even know who they were talking about. No clue, you know. Um, okay, and then I started to read some of these articles and now I'm more confused than I was because, you know, apparently there was some kind of, uh, you know, joke or a comment that was made and all of a sudden, there's an all-out war going on. And I just don't get it. Now, Jimmy Kimmel's threatening. He's going he's gonna to sue Aaron Rodgers over his reckless allegation. So what was the reckless allegation? Now, you know, you've, you've piqued everybody's curiosity, right? Well, how about if I tell you I'm not going to participate and I'm not going to tell you what it was? Because it's stupid. And we have enough stupid out there. I'm not going to use this platform for the stupid, the terminally stupid stuff that apparently three quarters of the media is willing to spend the precious time that we have with our listeners, viewers, our audiences, our readers on this kind of nonsense, just fueling the hate machine. I'm not doing it anymore. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to call out the people who I think are actually bad guys. I will, but I'm not going to call them Hitler and I'm, and I'm not going to threaten to, to sue them and all of this ugly, ugly interaction that doesn't advance anything. Maybe it's time for people to try and figure out why it is that half of this country supports Donald Trump. Maybe somebody ought to take a more careful look at themselves, some of these media types. How much of this real sort of uh, closing ranks around Donald Trump is the media itself responsible for? People don't like being told 
who you're allowed to choose as your candidate by members of the opposition party. They really don't like that. And so you're seeing what happens. They double down, they dig in on both sides. You got people defending a guy who's currently the occupant of the White House, even though they know, and they don't need any more proof, that he is incapable right now, mentally, of leading this country. And that's okay with them, as long as the party stays in control of the White House. Now, that, that's, not, that's not liberal, that's not anything. That's crazy. And that's where we are, we're in crazy land. On both sides, digging in deeper and deeper and deeper, and people don't wanna have a discussion. I tell people all the time, you want to discuss why you support Donald Trump if you support him with people. You don't wanna just start calling them names or accept the fact that they're gonna call you names and be frightened by that. No, 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 I make the case. It's not hard, it's really not. You know, look at this, these numbers. You can just look at the immigration numbers and the, you can look at the numbers of the economy. You can look at the interest rate. You can just look and make the case instead of, oh, uh, you know, we've all, uh, well, we don't care what you say. We'll get what we want or we'll have a, a, a civil war. If I hear one more person tell me that, uh, you know, we're on the verge of a civil war. No, we're not. That's not how we operate. America's not on the verge of a civil war right now. But we better learn how to open up the lines of communication and cut this crap of calling everybody Hitler. It's not working. It's not bringing us any closer to functional government. We have a dysfunctional government right now. And we better get it right. You know, I don't have that much longer, you know, comparatively in life. Most of my life is behind me, not ahead of me. But I have children and grandchildren and their lives are ahead of them. And this level of hatred and rancor and nonsense and name calling, what is that? Yeah, you know, I'm a big Trump supporter. There's nobody gonna doubt that. But I make the case. I don't accuse anybody else of being uh, evil. And there certainly could be a case made, but that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs and Lars Larson, and then Jen and Bill and the South Florida Morning Show back at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade and then Dan Bongino. Uh, I think he's back from vacation. And then, of course, I'll be back at 3 o'clock. But for now, let me take my final break. And I, when I come back, I will wrap up today's show, wrap up from San Francisco as I head back this evening to the Blue State I mean, the, the red state from the blue state, the red state that Sean Hannity just decided he's moving to. It's not about taxes, right, Sean? I'll be right back. So, hey, listen, I, I'm actually just, it's crazy to me, everything that's going on. Right now, we, I saw a breaking news story earlier today, and I keep seeing multiple stories about the subject that the, uh, President Trump is staying on the main ballot as he challenges the disqualification ruling in court, uh, because it was in Maine where the Secretary of State, uh, Shanna Bellows, 
um, disqualified him from appearing on the primary ballot. And that's the kind of stuff. First of all, it's capricious the way she did it and very arbitrary and very uh, prejudicial and biased. I mean, nobody's going to doubt that. Um, but it's exactly what I was saying that Martin Gurry was writing about in his article today about how do we get past this? How do we go back to having some sort of discourse? If we don't, this is not going to bode well for this country. I mean, it's not enough that, uh, that we now have to micromanage universities who gets to be the president and all of that stuff, because that's, you know, the big story from yesterday. And of course, if, you know, inevitably, you knew that Claudine Gay, who stepped down as the president of Harvard, dragged race into it. I mean, the fact that you plagiarized something like 50 articles might have more to do with it than uh, the color of your skin, but I don't want to confuse you. We're back to the D DEI insanity. But uh, this, is, this is not good. It's not good when we cannot have any discussions. We're not allowed to you know, imagine. And they just won, uh, true the vote, just won a big victory in their case in Georgia where the, the court said, oh, no, no, no. You can't say that people, citizens, don't have a right to question elections. That is a right of citizens. We have a right to redress our grievances to the government. Can't cut that out just because you don't like Donald Trump. You didn't cut it out when it was Hillary Clinton or Al Gore doing it. But you know, they just they just don't they don't understand how much damage they're doing. We'll say. You know, today's big headline, and we'll talk more about it uh, tomorrow, is uh, Peter Navarro, who says that uh, there's a Michelle Obama coup on the way to the White House. And I can tell you, she'd be formidable, very formidable. I, I, I would still give the victory to the guy who's got uh, the most, um, got the most supporters, period. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow, well, in front of this microphone, but in Florida, if it be his will and he delays his coming, may God continue to watch over this country in its fragile condition. And may we all maybe just take a breath and try to have a legitimate discussion. God bless you and God bless the USA. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.